and welcome back to another episode of the GAI podcast. This is Michael up front with a small little disclaimer. We did have four guests in the studio this time and channel number four on our recording equipment seemed to have an objection with guest number four. Connected to this channel was Wim, our strapping young gentleman from Germany and his voice got cut out here and there. In post-editing, I tried to clean it up as much as possible, but if it does irritate you that Wim sounds a little bit choppy, I certainly do offer my apologies and we'll try to fix it for the next time that we have four people in the studio. With that being said, enjoy today's episode and here we go. If you followed our most recent episodes, you've undoubtedly captured that we have more than one responsibility. As the GI, we are not just looking at Wunderbar Together, the collaboration between the US and Germany, but we're also looking at economics, and we're looking at how to get foreign exchange students from A to B. And this is one of the events that we want to introduce to you today, but not just as the event, but also with guests. This is the podcast of the Germanic American Institute. Welcome. Where Germanic-speaking European countries, Germany, Deutschland, Austria, Switzerland, Schweiz, blend with the Midwestern United States. Hello, servus, We are here and there, and we invite you to come along on the journey. Once again, this is Michael Hosting. Welcome back to yet another episode of the GI Podcast. As usual, I am not alone in the room. This time I have not just two, but three reinforcements with me at the Damen Salon at the GI. We have Claudia. Guten Tag. We have Catherine. Moin. And we have a brand new voice to today's podcast, Wim. Hello. Hi. Thanks for joining us. Um, the episode of today is actually dedicated to exchange students from Germany to the U.S. and perhaps vice versa from the U.S. to Germany. What this is all about, how to go about it. And we have dedicated an info and an informational evening to that, which is about to come up. Correct, Claudia? Yep. So on November 19th, we're offering another event to people who want to learn about foreign exchange programs and uh, specifically study abroad in Germany. And we are providing a uh, info session for people that want to learn more about the CBYX, Congress Bundestag, Goethe Institute programs, Studienkolleg, and other programs that are available for U.S. students of all ages during high school, after high school young adults to uh, to go to Germany. So just right from the get-go, there are no age limits, imposed age limits or suggested age limits that you know of? I think the youngest is sometime during high school, right? I think you do have to be high school age, you know, 15, 16 is, is usually the youngest. But then there are some programs that are immediately post-high school, like a gap year type program, and then other programs during the college years. So I think the majority of exchanges probably happen from 16 to the early 20s, I, I, I would think. And this is predominantly coined toward learning, such as a school exchange, or is it uh, perhaps just a gap year and experience Germany the way you would like to experience it, whatever that means? Um. I think there's a mix, right? So there are some high school programs where kids, you know, from Germany come here and they just spend a year in school or the other way around. They 
leave the U.S. and spend a year uh, at school in Germany. Those are usually the high school exchanges. Then there's a gap year or a post-high school exchange that's called a vocational exchange where high school graduates go to Germany. They go to high school in Germany for a little while, and then the second half of the time they do some internships with German businesses. And then there are some university or even older exchanges. So it just kind of depends. But they're all fairly structured. So it's not like they send you over there and then they put you there and you can do whatever you want. So we have that the structural piece is addressed on November yep. 19th. The in different part. programs and the different, uh, the different experiences and the different age groups, yes. So anecdotally, the question is actually, what is it like? And let, let's go a little bit further back in history, if you will, <laughs> since we do have Uh, two different age groups here. Perhaps we see differences in the way that you both experienced this, Catherine and Wim. Let's start with Catherine on this one. Uh, when were you in the U.S. actually as an exchange student? Oh, it was a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> I was here in 91, 92, so I got to experience the big Halloween storm, um, which was fun. Uh, but yeah, it's been a while. When I was an exchange student, there clearly were no cell phones or email or anything like that. It's been that long. I was here in 91, 92. So I think I talked to my parents just a few times during the whole exchange year. And I ended up on a farm in southern Minnesota um, with 80 cows and 20 cats and four dogs. Um, had all of a sudden four exchange siblings. And really for somebody that grew up in the city, it was quite the culture shock. So contrasting that right away in terms of connectivity and ability to actually stay in touch with your parents, which seem to be few and far between, what is it like for you right now, Wim? Um, so uh, the organization I'm here with warned us um, in advance to like, not talk to our parents too much so we can arrive here in America and like actually experience the life here. So I think I FaceTimed them like four times by now. So every two weeks. And we text like every two days. But you do, of course, stay in touch to some degree. Yeah, of course. Has that tapered off as you got to essentially get accommodated here? Or are you keeping the same frequency and it's more sort of the, what we call Heimweh, right? So the, uh, what is it in English now? Heimweh. Ho homesick. homesick. That's what it is. <laughs> no, it got less and less. Um, We FaceTimed like a few days ago because it was my brother's birthday. Um, but yeah, we don't really have like long or phone call to contact. Activities. Uh, what was it like on the farm? 80 cows, a couple of cats and several uh, exchange siblings. Uh, what did you do in the 90s? Uh, well, the first thing I do was run a lawn mowing tractor into a tree. That was a great introduction. <laughs> the tree is still there. Um, it still has the scar on it. Um, I arrived and uh, my littlest host sister was not particularly pleased with the situation. And she was really the only one that was still there consistently. So it took us about two weeks to get on. And finally, my host mom put us into a tractor together. And we rode on the fields for a long time. And by the end, we were good. And, I mean, she made my exchange year really, really awesome. We're still close. And, yeah, it was a great experience in the end. So one of those friendships for life. Absolutely. Yes. 
Wim, any any such anecdotes at this point or something that's uh, due to increased cell phone use and everybody does their thing uh, online nowadays? Has that not exactly sh taken shape like Catherine? Um, I mean, in school, like all the kids are always on their phones and like kind of not really paying attention to what's going on around them. So it was kind of hard to like get in contact with them at first in school because um, they were all caught up online. Um But after a while, I was totally fine. So you do have friendships at this point that perhaps you would consider to continue once your exchange is done? I hope so. <laughs> um, yeah, but I got on pretty well and have a few friends by now. We have a lot of fun together. Fun. What is it? What, what, what does fun mean nowadays? <laughs> uh, how, how do we have fun these days? I mean, um, like most of them, I met in the cross-country team after school. And that was really good to like do a sport because you hang out with the same people for like longer than 45 minutes in class um yeah and then we just like hang out after school yesterday we got slushies at the gas station <laughs> um Catherine, when you when you think back host family what what comes to mind um it was quite the change from my own family i have to say and There was a religious part that really did not exist in Germany for me whatsoever. So that was hard getting used to. Um, I really, really liked having so many host siblings. That was a really cool part. Um, I don't think I was used to the amount of freedom that brought because as an only child, you are constantly under the you know focus of your parents. Um, It was cool. I mean, it was very different. I learned all sorts of skills that I would have never learned otherwise, like, you know, riding a tractor or scraping cow poop or something like that. <laughs> um, but it was definitely helpful to have a younger host sibling, and she's just one year younger than me, that was in high school with me, that could show me around a little bit and that introduced me to people. Although, I mean, in the end, I had my own friends, but... Um, I think for me too, it was crucial to join a sport and be on the drama team or group or whatever, because that's where you actually make connections. It's not in class. You mentioned culture. When you contrast and compare to what the culture was like in the early 90s back in Germany to the, the cultural shift and changes that, you, that you've experienced here, what were those differences outside of uh, religious perspectives? Um. I think Germany was not as um, critical of the U.S. as it is now. It was still a little bit of the you know, honeymoon of the post-wall era. In addition, Germany was way more liberal then already, but I think it has the gap has increased even more. So, I mean, the topics that we hear still talk about to a certain degree, you know, like abortion or gay marriage or things like that, just are kind of done in Germany. And they were not that big a topic back then either. So to come into a, you know, fairly rural Minnesota high school and talk about gay rights in the early 90s was pretty unheard of and, yeah, not accepted in any way, shape or form. But I think I learned a lot from that. I mean, I learned to listen to people more, to accept them despite differences, to not see that they are all evil. I mean, some were, but <laughs> um, not the majority. And um, to get on anyhow. And I think for them too, they 
saw that, you know, these more liberal attitudes, maybe it's not all just completely crazy hobos, but they're, you know, fairly normal people that think that way. How did you experience that, Wim? Uh, obviously, still, there are some differences between Germany and the US. Uh, what was that like for you so far? Um, I mean, the school that I go to is really, really diverse in every way, I would say. White people are the minority there. Um, it's just a really open space and you feel really welcome. Um, so I don't really like have an experience example of that kind of... Is it dramatically different to, than you what you've, what you've experienced in Germany or is it kind of the same and it blends? I mean, the school that I went to in Germany is like the liberal edit as it gets. <laughs> um, so... I never really had that experience of people not accepting anyone because of their race or religion. So not something that actually recognizes on a scale where you say, oh, this is this is really a dramatic difference and I can see that there is perhaps some adjustment needed. Not that I know of, no. Outside of school, though? I mean, I got to meet the family that you stayed with. <laughs> um, yeah, there were like some weird questions asked at the table that I was like, It was weird for me because, like, I don't really think of these things anymore because we don't really like care about that anymore in Germany. What was what was such a question, if you recall? The conversation, for example, was really focused on like God and what He wants us to do. And I mean, we have people who like believe in God in Germany too, obviously, but we don't take like the Bible as literally and like really question the way we live, depending on what. It says in there. How long have you been here now in the US as an exchange student? Two and a half months by now, I think. Yeah. So obviously your your memory of what happens in Germany in terms of how the Germans perceive the US right now is relatively fresh. Did you expect such a cultural change, particularly in regards to religion and the focus on religion here? Yeah, I knew that there are like really religious people over here. Not all of them, but like some And Catherine warned me <laughs> about her host family that they are like really, yeah, dedicated to God. And so, when when you reflect upon your host family, what are your thoughts? <laughs> um, no, I think it's really a perfect match, and I'm really really happy to be here. Oh, wait a minute. While you obviously can't see this listening to the podcast, uh, the finger pointers were going up, and uh, it went directly to Catherine. Catherine, you are the host family. Yes, we are the host family, indeed. So it's slightly awkward for them to answer this here. <laughs> Wim, let's talk about the host family. <laughs> so, let's talk about that. <laughs> But no, uh, quite quite in in a serious perspective, uh, when you when you compare your German family life to your now American family life, if, even though heavily Germanized through Catherine. Are there any discernible differences? And if so, what can we learn from that, particularly as foreign exchange exchange students from here go over there? What are they to expect? If you go to Germany, I would just expect a little more like open-mindedness. And like, yeah, the way they live is probably a little like less focused on God and everything. Uh, not in comparison to our families. So no, but if no. you go to Germany... What what made you decide that you wanted to apply to this program and come to the United States for a year? That's a good question. Um, I always loved the English language and like was really focused on learning that in school and had a really, really amazing teacher in English. Um, 
So that's kind of how I started going into English. Um, and then it's just like the language you speak today all over the world in business and everywhere else. I just kind of wanted to like, yeah, learn the language and experience the American life because we hear a lot about that in like movies and books and TV shows and like I wanted a real experience. To say. Are those movies, TV shows, books uh, realistic or are they off? <laughs> um, I mean, some of them are showing what's really going on, but most of them are not really realistic. I mean, they like all, they hide the like facts about the guns and bullying and stuff that's really going on. Yeah. I mean, on the first day of school, I came into choir and there was a boy who got shot over the weekend. Um And that was just really shocking for me because I'm never in contact with guns or gun violence in any way in Germany. And you just don't see that in like movies that children in high school get shot. How much longer do you have here? Six months? No, longer than that. Seven. Seven, yeah. So basically nine months duration overall, give or take? Yeah. So far, and even though this is way premature because you have another seven months to go, <laughs> but uh, when when you think about one significant event that, that happened to you so far that you would definitely take home with you because it was that great or that bad, whichever, uh, what would you think of? Um, we went to a marriage. Um, in wedding. Wedding, yeah. <laughs> in South Dakota, at my first weekend here. And... I would say that was a culture shock. <laughs> well, that's, um, that's throwing you into the deep end. <laughs> um, yeah, it was just really different. Not bad, but really different from what I'm used to in G Germany or Europe in general, I think. Because we have like this really formal and traditional weddings with like, a big white dress and cakes and um, a big like dinner, banquet, whatever. And that was just like not what that was. <laughs> it was really like Yeah, I don't know how to describe it, but it was really different. A little bit more informal, probably. And, I mean, talking about food and even clothing, people coming there not in their necessarily Sunday best. Yeah. That was very different. I think it would be particularly interesting to to get you back in here uh, toward the end of your stay. I mean, this is uh, reasonably new and, and fresh to you in terms of experiences, considering the, your two and a half month duration so far. But uh, one of the questions that I had loaded was sort of the, what were you hoping to get out of this? But I think that's a question that perhaps we can ask now and then when we get you back before you leave to ask again and see if your perspective and your perception has perhaps changed over the course of time. So... Looking into this right now, what were you or what are you hoping to get out of this? Um, I mean, obviously learn the language, as I said, and because I'm here with the program of the government of the United States and Germany, I obviously wanted to like get to know the American system of like voting and government, how that all works. Because it it is democratic over here too, but um, quite different actually, and like. Yeah, just experience the American way of life, as they say. You just mentioned the government program, uh, which is also something that we've talked about uh, offline at first, and it is uh, abbreviated as the CBYX. Claudia, what is this? Okay, so CBYX stands for Congress Bundestag Youth Exchange. 
And as I mentioned in the beginning, there are actually three different types of exchanges. And as the name says, it is supported by the U.S. Congress and the German Bundestag. And uh, there's a high school exchange, which Wim, Wim is a part of. And there's a vocational exchange, which is a post-high school program. And then there's a young professional exchange, which is in during college. So this is a bilateral exchange program with both governments supporting and sponsoring, financially sponsoring a lot of it. So there's an application process and, and how people can get in. And that's going to be actually a big part of the info event that we have on November 19th because some of these exchanges are not uh, really competitive, meaning if you apply, you have a really, really good chance of, uh, of getting in. What are the prerequisites just to, to cover the big spread, if you will, from a from a 30,000-foot 30, overview? That's a really good question. I don't know what Vim had to do. Obviously, if you're doing the high school exchange, you do have to know English uh, or German, vice versa, right? Because you are placed in a school and you have to function in that school because you spend a, basically the school year here. I do know for the post-high school vocational exchange, you don't even really need to know much German. So there are varying requirements. I don't know for sure what some of the requirements are for the young professionals. So there are varying requirements uh, on Uh, based on which program you go into. And again, some of those things we will go into at the at the program on November 19th. How difficult was it to get in into the program, Wim? Um, it was a lot of work to do in the first place. Um, we had to like apply with a little yeah, letter, how we like described ourselves and why we want to like do this with this scholarship from the government. Um, and then we got invited for a little yeah, meetup with I think it were, we were 10 other people there. Um, and we had to do a little presentation um, and then just discuss a little bit. Um, there were people watching. And then we had a little um, conversation with one of the persons that was like deciding who they're going to choose alone. Um, and then they like picked three and sent those to the representative of the state I'm from um, and they chose the person. So really more a laborious process as opposed to a difficult process. Yeah. I mean, we had an um, English test during that mm -hmm. meetup um, and I think you should do pretty good on that because, yeah, you just need to understand what people are talking about and like the classes and high school so the time that you're spending here uh, away from school in germany does that transfer uh, and are you getting quote-unquote full, full credit for this or what does um, that look like yeah my school is giving me full credit that depends on your school i think um they um said i should do like a math class <laughs> um and i'm doing that right now so that was like the only requirement they gave me was it the same back then for you and you were able to account for your credits uh, for the time spent here? Yeah, I had all or mostly AP classes too. They weren't called that back then, but along those lines and yeah, that counted then. Question to, to the entire family life and, and generally how you're being received perhaps by other families uh, as you make the rounds and get to know your, your class uh, colleagues and so forth. One of the things that 
that stood out to me is that in the U.S., um, personal questions are being asked a whole lot sooner than back home in Austria. So what does your dad do? Or how many siblings do you have? Or who does what for a living? And so essentially what we almost consider personally intrusive questions, if you will, are being asked a whole lot quicker here in the U.S. than they are in Austria anyways. So I'm wondering if it was the same sort of experience for you. Yeah. Um, I mean, in Germany, we kind of like walk past each other <laughs> um, and it takes us a while to like open up and talk to each other about like personal things. And here the people are like really <laughs> open and fast with these things. Um, so I think like with some people in the first conversation, we talked about like our parents' jobs and what we like to do in our free time, which is not what I'm used to. Is it good, better, indifferent to be this quick? Or what, what is your perspective on this? Um, I mean, with some people where you're like, no, you connect good and like the, you could build a relationship as friends, that was totally fine with me, like opening up to them. But to talk to people that you'll know like, mm, this is probably not going to work out, it was difficult to say like, no, I don't really want to tell you this right now. Same memory for you, Katrin? Yeah, I think there was a lot less knowledge about Germany back then. So a lot of people asked me questions like, oh, you know, do you have microwaves? Or, you know, something along those lines. Or always a favorite too, my great-grandfather came from Hümpfendümpfen, and do you know that? <laughs> um, uh, tra translation, from somewhere in the boonies. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so that was similar. And yeah, people did ask personal questions pretty quickly. But again, I had my whole sister in the beginning, especially who very much shielded me too from, you know, questions that were too personal. Claudia. One question that I'm sure you got a lot at that time was, are you from East Germany or West Germany? Well, actually, I got, are you from North Germany or South Germany? <laughs> <laughs> Which one is the communist part? <laughs> okay, but right, that part, I think that obviously is no longer a question, right? But I mean, I got that a lot when I first came here. And it's like, were you from the East or from the West? It's like, I'm like, well, from the West, because if I were from the East, I probably would. Well, no. At that time, people would have been able to come here. But well, I mean, in reality, you're really all just North Austrians. <laughs> <laughs> Very North, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, the one thing, Katrin, now obviously having experience being an exchange student, did that motivate you to become a host family? Was that one of the things or were you... You know, what was, it's not like you didn't have enough to do to begin with. What motivated you to decide you wanted to have another child for nine months? Um, we had talked about a long, long time ago about maybe at some point having an exchange student, but certainly not now because our kids are still pretty young. And yeah, I mean, we are not lacking for things that need You're to be bored. done. No, really not. Um, but we were approached then directly about them and um, we had 48 hours to decide basically. So we decided and then we also said if we're taking anyone it's got to be him because we really liked his profile, we liked the letter he wrote without knowing us really. Um, oh, you did have video rights? <laughs> so to speak, to, yeah. to oppose uh, I guess a suggestion? 
Oh, yeah, very much so. And if oh. another family had okay. been faster than us and he had been snatched up, then we wouldn't have taken an exchange student. That was pretty clear. Um, so, so, which means it's a back and forth process. So the student can say, I don't want this family, or the family can say, we want this student or this student. And so, so there is a decision process. It's not just a matching like in a number one match to family b and that's it right so we finally did arrive at the loaded gun of this particular podcast what made you choose katrin as the host family dun, um, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> i did, mean yeah. i didn't really have a choice at the end because <laughs> um <laughs> I'm sorry, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> um, we had um, three dates where the planes would take off um, um, over August, and the last date was like a week from the day you decided to take me, I think, right? Um, so I got the, the message that they finally have a host family for me like four days before I was supposed to leave Germany, and I don't think they would have found a new family in that short amount of time you would have gotten a tent that's <laughs> <laughs> probably so yeah. was, it, was it always going to be minnesota or could have been anywhere no it could have been anywhere okay yeah i think there actually was a family in california right who was looking into my profile also mm -hmm. okay but uh the area rep still strongly encouraged us because she thought that we were a better fit for him so um, the, so there is an intricate process actually on the back end so it's not just all say oh basically laissez-faire and here do you do no, your picking not at then, all okay. so number one once we had decided we had no room set up in any way shape or form i mean we had an office but there was no bed or anything then we had a very nice and dear friend who donated a bed to us <laughs> um and we rearranged our house a bit so um the former dining room table is now Wim's desk um Really? Yeah, uh-huh. And um And you eat from the floor now? <laughs> things you things you get to learn during the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um and then we really went through a pretty strong vetting process process. I mean, somebody came and looked at our house and looked at our family and made sure we were all all able to, you know, speak sentences, I suppose. And it was also very clear that our family language with them there would be English and not German. Um, they even looked at our dog and made sure he, you know, was not completely crazy or friendly crazy as he is. Um, and then actually somebody else came um, and vetted us again and talked to us and explained everything to us. And then once them came within like 10 days or something, a third person came and looked at the house again, looked at Wim's room, um, just to make sure that everything was okay. And we, when the first area rep came, we didn't have a room set up, so then we had to send her pictures of how it looked and, you know, what the kitchen looks like. And they also called then references to ask how crazy are they? How is their chaos situation in their house? Um, are they decent people generally? So, I mean, the, it was, yeah, we were really looked into as a family and then and i'm guessing the same the same standards applied and in germany as well to send an american student yes, to germany yeah, yes um and we once we knew it was them i think we skyped twice or something before yeah um but we really didn't know what to expect i mean 
not really, and neither did he really. Um, but we very, very much so lucked out, and at least so far, it's been a very good fit. We've traveled together, we've gone to the East Coast together and visited friends and to Mitchell, South Dakota. <laughs> <laughs> the Corn Palace. Yes. How about mentioning New York and not Mitchell? <laughs> um, and I am really quite shocked how well he fits in with us, how much fun we've had together, and just how much of an enrichment it is, and not just for you know, the German, but also for our kids that, yeah, now have a big brother to look up to and are very much taking notes at what it's like to be 16 and how to behave. So for us, it's been a really, really cool experience. Which I would say is particularly of interest to our area parents, considering that a lot of high school high schools actually do offer German. And uh, personally teaching at Hamlin, I do know that uh, my students who go to Germany, particularly Trier in this case, do get full credits uh, for attending semesters in Trier, one or two, depending on what the situation is like. So there are numerous opportunities that are scholastically really beneficial, beyond obviously the cultural exchange and getting to make friends for life. Was there anything that was different than you expected when you came? Wait, I mean... In our family... I mean, you showed me around the house on FaceTime, <laughs> so I pretty much knew how it's going to look like. Um, he, thought, he thought you were going to be taller. Because <laughs> <laughs> okay. that happens all the time, yeah. Because <laughs> Vim is quite tall. Don't, don't we all? <laughs> um, no, maybe I thought Sirius was a little less crazy. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, people obviously don't know, but... Uh, I've seen family pictures or when Vim arrived or was right around the state fair and stuff. I mean, he looks like he belongs to this family. I mean, it, it was it's it's a visual just looking at pictures how, how Katrin's biological children look and Vim just looks like an older version. And I mean it just it so, works. So, but, it but really he, but works. here's the crazy thing and that yeah. it's exactly what you said because I did not know going into this entire recording what I'm actually essentially dealing with, so to speak. And once this sort of unfolded with exchange programs and whatnot, and I saw the two of you sitting here, I was actually thinking that Wim is Katrin's son, and Katrin is about to send her son overseas uh, to get whatever uh, immersive exchange experience. Well, obviously I was wrong, but this is, <laughs> but this is how, how visually closely related you do look. Yeah, I think... We are both from the north in Germany. <laughs> yeah. And I think that is part of why things are working out yeah. really well, too. Because, I don't know if I can say that, but he's my peeps, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, well, it is. It's true. And I think it's also maybe helpful that I grew up in Germany. And I still have family and friends there. And I know what their kids are like. And... In Germany, just 16-year-olds are so much more mature than they are here, and they have so many more freedoms than here. So that is one of the more difficult parts for me, actually, to navigate that, because in Germany, I would never give him a curfew. I never had a curfew, not at 16 either. And here, it's just different. Does freedom equal responsibility in this case? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, kids are, I think, generally better informed, you know, if you, yeah, 
I don't know how much can I say, but well, no, I, I um, mean it is it is quite the interesting perspective because many of the parents whom I've met and talked with, uh, there is just this rigorous control of social media use on their phone, and Verizon offers all kinds of opportunities to turn off certain apps at certain times and. There is no downloading without parental permission. And the kids are 16, 15, 16, 17 years old. And I do wonder in terms of cultural difference in how we are raising our kids back in Europe as to opposed, opposed to how we are raising them here, if this, this um, almost helicopter parenting, if you will, is actually adverse with the outcome. Well, and there's a different thing too, that kids here seem to spend so little time with their families, really, especially once they reach their teenage years. And I think that is different in Germany. They are stronger in the family, really, and they see more of what family life is about. And there's just a lot more trust going on. And there are crazy kids in Germany too, obviously. <laughs> um, but generally, like this whole binge drinking, the amount that is happening here, I don't think is you know, happening like that. What yeah. is the what is the legal age for beer in Germany? 16. 16, okay, yeah, same in Austria. But I mean, the the social media and the phone stuff and whatever, in Germany, parents have to watch out for that too. Because, I mean, my sister has has children that are, you know, 16 and 17. And she says to, I mean, teachers and, and families do watch out what's going on on social media and with the phones and stuff like that. So, and I totally, I mean, some one does that. Some of, of that is, but yeah, but talking about the responsibilities, I mean, in Germany for, you know, the difference obviously is you can't drive until you're 18, mm -hmm. but you can take public transportation to get everywhere. Mm -hmm. And it is perfectly fine for a 17 year old kids here you would say to go take the bus somewhere go have a beer and some french fries and then take the bus back and well, even for younger children and Katrin talks about that and you have that too in your german class when people talk when little kids go to the store to buy something and you know so there's just a different expectation around maturity and responsibility and 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 there's still this sense of security a little bit more, as Vim was saying, you know, maybe you feel a little bit safer versus here. Things are a lot more spread out, too. I think here in the U.S., especially in some areas where you live as a parent, you don't have a choice, but, but you have to drive your child because they just can't ride their bike or there is no bus. So I think some of it has to do with infrastructure or lack thereof, whereas in Germany, you can take a, tell your kid, well, you're 12, you can take the bus. Here, there are no buses. But Going way back in time, like really way back, so late 70s, early 80s, way before your time, women, you can <laughs> rest easy. Um, no, I went to first grade elementary on uh, the, uh, the tramway. Yeah. So grandma dropped me off and I shuffled down 20 minutes uh, along the tracks with the tram and got off. And then I had to still walk about seven minutes uphill both ways, of course, um, right. to, to school. But that really was normal back then. I, I don't know whether that still is normal right now that kids at uh, first grade, Wim, you probably are more in authority than, than I am on this. Is that still the same? Yeah. Kids I walk mean, to school. Kids yeah. go by bus, kids ride their bikes. It's walk to school from kindergarten on. Um, on their own, right? Yeah. Here's the thing that parents have to be around. Yeah, right. no. Yeah. Totally fine to go by yourself. And, like and that's really the thing here for 
us that's difficult. I mean, he's 16. I feel like I need to protect him a little bit mm -hmm. from, you know, I don't know what really, but some nebulous situation that could arise. At the same time, I really don't want to control him. I mean, he's I don't think he's not used to it. He doesn't need to be controlled. It's more about the things that happen outside of his control that I'm concerned about. Um, and but yeah, I don't want to be overbearing, but you know, like I want to know where he is. I want to know who he's with. In addition, I don't know any of his friend's parents. I didn't, you know, he didn't grow up with us, with Kaspar and Moritz. I know who the friend's parents are. I know how to get a hold of somebody if I need to. But with them, I don't. So that is really a, an exercise and yeah, power loss. Yeah, but I think, you know, it just really kind of emphasizes the the cool thing about a long exchange like this, right? It's not just a two-week exchange, which a lot of schools in Germany have, right? You go to France for two weeks or to England for two weeks or Italy for two weeks, right? Those exchanges happen quite often. But this long-term exchange, it really, really gives you an idea of how it is to live in a different culture. You don't just get a little taste of it because you know the language. And that's the part that we really want to emphasize to to people you get so much more out of it you know i mean vim is going to experience things or learn about things and maybe you know debunk some of the stereotypes that exist about american life but then on the other hand learn things that he would have never learned or experienced otherwise and my nephew was here a couple of years ago and even just being here a few weeks he noticed some things that aren't like you see in the movies right and that that i think is the value in the exchange uh, the value of these exchange programs it doesn't matter whether you're german coming here or an american going to germany you actually get to live the life and you walk in the other person's shoes for a while And, you know, I think that is ultimately the value of, of, of understanding how other people live and how, how other countries work. And I think we need to have a lot more of that. Especially in times like these. Yeah, yeah. I know. I think you bring up uh, the, the, the really interesting point here with it, you inevitably become a better global citizen, so to exactly. speak. But at the same time, also what Katrin said earlier stuck with me as well in terms of the, the loss of control, not that parents need to be controlling, but there is a certain sense of responsibility, obviously, that you experience and feel, as, feel like as a, as a parent. So for parents on both ends or both sides of the pond, so to speak, that control, and I think that is one of the considerable items here, is largely going to be, let's say, muted for a while and you have to trust your child and particularly trusting your child in the hands of another parent you still have to trust your child so i think there is there is a good amount of growing up for for the kids as well as for the parents actually in this right because obviously you know vim's parents have to also trust that Katrin right. and her husband aren't gonna leave him out to dry on his own, right? I mean, that's, there's, there's multi, multiple levels of that kind of stuff happening. Well, his mother and I found out that we have the exact same birthday, <laughs> so now trust is there. That's <laughs> getting yeah. really peculiar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, Wim, thank you so much for joining us. I hope we'll get to see you again before you actually hightail back home. Thanks for having me. Katrin, uh, thanks for taking us down memory lane. 
Oh, totally. <laughs> I'm glad you can actually remember. So, and Claudia, we do have events. Yep. So for those of you who want to hear more about exchange programs and also hear more about Vim's experience, he will be one of the featured presenters at our event on November 19th together with Annabelle, who is also a German exchange student. So we have two first-hand, first-person experiences, people talking about their uh, their um, experience with exchange programs. We're also going to talk about programs that are offered through the Goethe Institute and other exchange programs at university level, things like Ful- Fulbright uh, scholarships and programs. So again, November 19th here at the GI at 7 p.m. But before that, uh, there are a few other um, programs I want to briefly mention for some uh, classical music fans, we have a fantastic concert coming up on November 8th. The Gewandhaus Orchestra is one of the uh, big orchestras of the world. They are based in Leipzig, and uh, they are doing a concert, a full concert with a full orchestra in uh, Washington, D.C. as part of the Wunderbar Together program that we've been talking about several times this year. They have a woodwind quintet that is doing a four-city tour, and St. Paul is one of them. So the Gewandhaus Woodwind Quintet is going to be here November 8th. Check out our website for registration. It's a free concert, but we ask you to uh, register. Some of that is also part of the whole story that we've been talking about for the last few podcasts, the 30th anniversary of the fall of the wall. And... um, the date, the actual anniversary date is actually November 9th, and that is a Saturday, and that is the 30th anniversary, and we're going to be showing a film called Berlin Babylon, which is a 2001 documentary, and it explores the rebuilding of Berlin after the fall of the wall in 1989. The film shows the city in the throes of transformation. The original music is by Einstutzende Neubauten, And it's a German film with English subtitles. So that's happening November 9th at 6 p.m. Again, information on our website. You can buy tickets at the door or register beforehand. And then we're going right into the holiday season. Our annual holiday open house is scheduled Saturday and Sunday, December 7th and 8th from 11 to 4 it's free and open to the public. We have you know, holiday events and, and food. And uh, uh, St. Nikolaus is going to be here on Sunday. So a traditional um, holiday, European-style, German-style holiday, December 7th and 8th. And there are still seats available for our annual Christmas program. And that is happening Saturday, December 14th. You do need to call and make a reservation for that. So call the office, and uh, you also find some more information on our website about that. And as always, we're planning ahead with language classes. So the winter and spring classes are going to be posted here in the next couple of weeks in uh, mid-November, and registration opens as well. But for those of you who are still interested in taking either an uh, intermediate or advanced level class, we have a couple of more classes starting as part of our fall Vergnügen classes. And again, more information about that on our website. So a lot of good things coming up related to 
the 30th anniversary of the fall of the wall, some music, study abroad, holiday open house and Christmas dinner, classes, so as always, chock full um, programs and, and events and updated information is on our website at gai-mn.org. And also, while we were at the topic of the 30-year fall of the wall, uh, I invite you certainly to listen to our special episode, the panel discussion of the 30th anniversary of German unity, which was posted on October 8th. It was a panel discussion that uh, offered quite some interesting insights from four panelists, uh, two Eastern and two Western Germans, or at least former Eastern Germans. And then we had some audience participation in terms of questions, and particularly one gentleman seemed to disagree with what the audience perspective is. But for more on this, I certainly invite you once again. October 8th was the posted date about the panel discussion special, special episode to listen to that. And I think that pretty much wraps it for today, does it? I think so. Well, Claudia, once again, thank you very much. Gern geschehen. My pleasure. And Katrin, thank you. Immer gern. And Wim, thanks for showing up today. Of course. All right. That was uh, this installment of the GI Podcast. This is Michael signing off. Of course, we will see and hear you, more or less, once again in November for two episodes. And with this being said, have a good day. <laughs>